0: Hello and welcome to the Adaptive Zone Podcast, talking all things running and triathlon from injury through rehabilitation and into performance. Hi, guys. So, tonight we're going to be talking about easy versus moderate versus hard training runs for half triathlon. Uh, question this week from Amika. So the bit I'm going to tackle first is what is the right mix of low, um, Sorry, um, long slow distance versus tempo versus slow runs? What is the benefit of each, bearing in mind we're going for a half marathon? Um, but before we do that, as always, I have to have a beer to help me relax. So this week we are Field and Forge. I think we've had that one before. I will, um, I will uh, have to find... Some some new ones, some new local ones to put in. So what's this? Belgian ale. Cheers. So um me ask a, a few questions. Um so I'll read them all out, but I'm I'm gonna start with the one I mentioned just a minute ago. Because it's um it sort of leads me into talking about the others. So um so he says he has a few things on his mind. One Uh, hills or speed intervals, which are better if I'm trying to improve my half-marathon pace? Uh, Number two, I'm built like a sprinter. How do I train to change my body for endurance running? Number three, what is the right mix of long, slow distance versus tempo versus slow runs? What is the benefit of each? Number four, what impact does diet have on improving my running efficiency? What foods should I avoid? Why uh, in order to run further and faster? And number five, I am an intermediate level runner. How many times a week should I be running to get stronger and or faster? And I'm actually going to start in the middle here. So if I bring up my notes, which I should have had in a separate tab, if I was thinking. So I was preparing for the show tonight and... um, My wife arrived at the door with a dog that uh, she like found the dog was sort of loose and had been wandering around the neighborhood. So then we had to take him back. So I was in the middle of writing my notes and getting my windows open and everything ready. So that's why I'm a little um, all over the place to start. Um, So I'm going to start in the middle with what is the right mix of long, slow distance uh, versus tempo versus slow runs what is the benefit of each so what we're really talking about here is training intensity distribution and that's what they call it in the research or TID Um, and in order to look at that we we need to um, divide training intensity or runs into different types of runs right different types of intensities so what a lot of people use different zones or just different names. So those um I think may have come from the running room because that's the, the words that they often use. So long slow distance um is, is LSD. It's um sometimes abbreviated that. So that's a I think that's a running room term. Um or it's probably used more widely than that. And then tempo is will be familiar to some people, but not all. And then like easy recovery, slow runs, um threshold tempo um there's some of the names for that moderate intensity one and then then there's like hard which is like the hills the uh intervals and, and that kind of stuff um if we sort of pull back from those different names a lot of people will run or do their training based on zones so numerical zones often there'll be a three a five or a seven zone system Um, But what I'm going to do is pull even further back and just divide it into the different intensities in terms of what's going on physiologically. And then we can go to just three, just to keep it simple for today. Now, that's not to say that it is better to go for just three. It just means that it's going to make this discussion a little more straightforward. So with the three zones, you've got your easy, moderate, and hard, right? So easy, generally speaking, think think hours to days right <laughs> it that if you're going really easy you can go for hours often depending on your training level obviously but it, it's it's the intensity for which you could go the longest without just walking although walking would fit into uh, an easy training zone but it's, it's a bit of anything running where you're just running as slow so you can run as long as you can and um in the in physiology they define it as below the ventilatory threshold which is it gets really complicated and I to be honest myself I, I often struggle to remember exactly how to classify the different zones but um it's sometimes called the conversational zone right so that easy zone is when you're um able to continue a conversation without um, sort of losing your breath or without it sounding too broken up. And then hard is, it's as hard as you can possibly go. So you're thinking seconds to minutes. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the intensity you could keep up for seconds to minutes, not longer than that. Um, and that hard zone is defined, the sort of threshold between the, the moderate and the hard is what we call the lactate threshold. So that's the point at which lactate starts to accumulate in the muscles and it's accumulating because you can't process it out as quickly as you generate it. And as it starts to accumulate, essentially the the clock has started now. And at some point soon, you're going to have to stop. Physiologically, you're going to be forced to stop. And then moderate is in between. It's in between those two thresholds. So it's not easy. Um, And you can't go for hours, but it's not so hard that you're going to have to stop within, you know, seconds or minutes. And usually it's in the sort of less than an hour kind of pace, usually, right? So it's something you could maintain for up to an hour, probably, depending on, like, how you define it. Um, But the top of it would be that lactate threshold, which is very hard to, you know, talk about if if you haven't had lactate threshold testing done and that kind of stuff. But... If we just want to keep it simple for today, easy is something you can do for hours, hard is something you can do for seconds, maybe a minute, then moderate is something you can do for maybe an hour. So if we reduce those different uh, training intensities, you know, different zones or different uh, races into, um, sorry, different zones or different types of training runs into these three categories, easy, moderate, and hard, and I sometimes think of it as green, orange, and red, right, in terms of intensity. And then if we're going to answer the question of how to distribute your training um, across the week. So you're training for a half marathon and you're going to do, say, four or five runs a week. And you want to know, well, how many of them should be hard is the question. Because obviously you're going to do some slow running up to like an hour or two. I mean, you're training for a half marathon, right? It's not going to take you less than an hour. Most people, anyone, (laughs) So um, we, that that's kind of a given. And then the question is, okay, I'm going to put some intensity in there that might be in the form of hill repeats or in the form of sprint intervals. How much? How much is too much? You know, if I put in loads of that stuff and all I'm doing is sprint training, that's not going to condition me probably, ideally, for the half marathon. Should we put any of it in, right? Should we just do the long, slow distance, the easy runs, the, below, the green zone? So we just do it all like that. Um, and so when when you look at what most professionals are doing, they do a mixture, but it's not an even mixture of 50-50, right? So there's two different schools of thought on what the ideal distribution is. And we're going to talk today specifically about half marathon. Uh, it's kind of a given for marathon, half Ironman, Ironman kind of a distance. It's all kind of similar, not quite the same, but similar, but these will definitely apply for that. So one philosophy is this sort of um, easy, dominant approach, which um, was popularized a few years ago. The, uh, the terminology 80-20 became popular, and that was um, because Matt Fitzgerald came out with a couple of books, eighty twenty running, 80-20 triathlon. And Amika, if you're watching this, um, they will be really good books to read, and, and, and the, they'll go into what I'm going to talk about here in like, much, much, much more depth. And they will give you some of the research that backs it all up and the history behind how that developed as the sort of um, dominant training paradigm currently. And certainly just sort of for disclosure, like that's the the method I usually train is a a 80-20 type method. It's not always precise, but it's certainly a a philosophy that I sort of subscribe to, I buy into, and, and that's what I do in my own training. And that means 80% of your training will be easy in the green zone. And 20% will be in either the moderate or the hard. Okay? And we'll come back to that in a sec. The other sort of big school of thought would be that you are going to deliberately include a significant percentage of your training in the moderate intensity. So that would be, let's say over 30%, right? So we're saying maybe 50 60% of your training in that moderate intensity. And then that sometimes is called like threshold training, right? And that is definitely, as far as I understand it, far less popular, right? And the easy sort of philosophy or the easy dominant philosophy for endurance training seems to be far more popular currently than the threshold or moderate dominant philosophy or even moderate... Um, moderate, significant volume of moderate philosophy. Um, But it is employed, both these strategies are employed by top-level athletes, so there are examples of um, professional athletes, endurance athletes doing a lot of moderate intensity. So it works in theory, and then the question is, which is right for you? The way that the easy, um, dominant, Philosophy is divided up. So You've got the 80% easy, right? So you're 80% in the green zone below that ventilatory threshold, conversational type pace. And the runs like long, slow distance, easy runs, recovery runs that Amika mentioned would fall into that category. And then the final 20%, which is going to be a mixture of um, moderate and hard, that would include the tempo, would be in the moderate zone. The tempo runs will be in the moderate zone. And the hills, they will be in the hard zone. And the sprint intervals, they will be in the hard zone too. So, how much, right? So, if we're talking about maybe 20%, one school of thought is you have a sort of pyramidal approach, which means that you put, let's say, 80% in the easy bucket, about 15% in the moderate bucket. And then the remaining 5% in the hard bucket. And then there's an, another school of thought, like within that easy dominant philosophy that says you go 80% easy and then almost 0% moderate. So that's what they call polarized. They, you either go like crazy easy. Well, not crazy easy, but easy or crazy hard. And you avoid the middle, right? So they call that Polarized. Uh, there's also a pyramidal and then on the other side of the camp is let's call it threshold um, or moderate um, dominant if we look at the research and I read this study uh, just last night this was a review rather than a study I'll have to find the author one sec I'm not good at remembering names of authors you know some people can kind of just rattle them off easily, I definitely can't do that uh, Daniel Belusa and this was published in 2020 so this year in March and and it's a review so they're talking they're looking at um, factors affecting training and physical performance and recreational endurance running and they're looking at training intensity distribution as one of those particular things and then they're reviewing some of the research on it but and um, because they are because it's it's like an opinion piece in a in a newspaper or something it's not a it's not a scientific study in itself right it is published in peer reviewed literature this was published in the journal of sports i think um so it means it has to kind of go through at least one um vetting process it has to be reviewed by other academics in order to get published so it's not quite a blog but it's it's Kind of like a blog, right? It's like an opinion of the research. So we're looking at someone else's opinion here. We're not going directly to the research. So we've got to be a little bit uh, careful there. Thanks, senior. Yeah, it's a running room term. (laughs) Um, So what they said when comparing the pyramidal versus polarized versus threshold. Despite the reduced volume conducted by recreational runners, a polarized model improved their 10K performance to a greater extent than the threshold model. And then they later say, the pyramidal and polarized models might be the most recommended forms of training intensity distribution for recreational runners. So that's um, that, that's pretty much where the research sits at the minute, that of the uh, two schools of thought, threshold versus... Um, 80-20, let's call it, and um, the 80-20 seems to be winning. But whether polarized or per middle is better, there doesn't seem to be much evidence. Um, although that there is stronger evidence that per middle is better than threshold than there is polarized is better than threshold, as far as I understand it. So that that all in all, I would suggest going 80-20. And probably per middle. so it's like eighty percent hard. Sorry, eighty percent easy, ten to fifteen percent moderate, and then five percent hard. And then during the course of the season, that would change depending on the goal list. So if we're talking about a half marathon, um, you you can. I I don't really want to get into the the training over the course of the year because you could do periodized versus um linear periodized versus um reverse periodized and it's all a little bit too complicated and and not something i want to dig into because this is not really my area of expertise it's it's more um a performance-based slash running coaching slash triathlon coaching kind of a question and uh it was in the question so i want to tackle it but it's um i'm certainly more comfortable with the research on rehab and uh, injuries than I am with what is the best uh, training method. So what what you should do, Amika, um, you say earlier in your questions, um, I'm built like a sprinter. I remember working you, with you in the past and you, you're very much sort of strong and fast and, and sort of powerful, not sort of spindly and uh, endurance-like. <laughs> Last year, I was training for my first um, triathlon. I did the Extera triathlon. And um, as part of training for that, I did Joe Fre- I read Joe Friel's triathlon training Bible. And then I did his weakness analysis um, section. And I noticed that um, when, I, when, when I was trying to identify some of my strengths, it was all power-based stuff it was all sprint based it was all anaerobic based type of stuff so that's where i i feel like i need to spend less time and certainly my training over the last year or two i've worried less about the high intensity sessions the the sprint intervals and the hill sessions uh, and even the tempo runs and because i feel like my major weakness uh, is the endurance side the long slow aerobic endurance um, which doesn't mean that I have none of that stuff but I certainly prioritize that easier stuff and I would say based on your questioning Amika if you have a natural talent for the speedy stuff then you probably should focus on the um, slower stuff and um, so if you were going to go distribution I would be going 80% easy and then the important thing to know is that are your easy easy because this comes up time and again and I see it all the time in my clients when I ask them to run at their easy pace and they're just from listening to them they're above their ventilatory threshold so they're definitely going into that moderate zone and there's some good research to back that up to say that when people think they're going easy if they're new to running especially uh, as recreational runners not so not so much the case in pros but even in higher level recreational runners they typically spend, I think it's 50 to 60% of their time in the moderate zone. And that's what they're actually doing when you measure their heart rate and you check it against their thresholds. So when people think they're going easy, most of the time they're going moderate. So there's different ways you can find out if you are really going easy. Um, One I would suggest that I got from... Um, Matt Fitzgerald's book and he has a website I think it's 8020endurance.com or something like that you can put your you can either do like a 20 minute time trial or you can put your 5k best time in actually I think you can put almost any event in but if you if you use your 5k that's good because it's quite close to your um, lactate threshold pace and if you put a recent PR in for let's say the 5k it'll give you your it gives you five zones there but it'll essentially divide you up into easy moderate and hard and give you both your well it'll give you your pace um in terms of what speed you should be going for your easy running and how to stay below that moderate zone just to make sure that you don't creep into moderate because that's super common and i i did that when i was reading his book a few years ago and I also used heart rate-based training uh, with – he had this app at the time. I don't know if it's still around. It was called Pair. And um, basically, you would input your heart rate um, zones, and then you would wear the strap or the, the wrist thing or whatever it was. And if you crept out of your zone – so you, you say you were going to do a long, slow run, and you're supposed to be in zone two, and which is like an easy zone, and your heart rate crept into zone three, which is um, the moderate zone – then he would like chirp up in your ear and say, you're going too fast, you have to slow down. And I found that super helpful for what I call intensity calibration because what I see a lot of the time in the clinic is that people think they're going easy and they're really going moderate and people think they're going hard and they're really going moderate. And that was definitely true of me for the first couple of years into running. And I think it's true. If you haven't spent a lot of time deliberately trying to get your intensity dialed in it's probably true of people for quite a long time after they get into running certainly the research that says that well we've got some research over here saying recreational runners even at relatively high levels are running 50 to 60 percent of their training runs in the moderate intensity zone and then we've got good evidence over here saying that the best way to improve endurance performance is to do 80 percent of your training at lower intensity zones. So the, these conflict, right? So we can't we, we can't reconcile those, but for thinking these people know they should be going easier unless they're just not aware. They know they should be going easier. They're trying to go easy, but they're ending up going moderate. And that's definitely what I see in the clinic all the time. People are going moderate when they think they're going easy. So it's very important, Amika, if you're going to try and distribute in this 80-20 paradigm that you quantify what is easy and i would say quantify it with either heart rate or pace and if you're gonna either of those you can do through that 80 20 endurance website um but there's other ways you can do it. you can put it into training peaks um you can just uh, you you can even do 220 minus your age and then get a, a zone based prediction thing although that's that's far less accurate but it's just something where it's like objective and you want to know what is my easy pace and I must stay in it? Or what is my easy heart rate and I must stay in it? And that that's super important. So I would recommend you go 80-20, easy to hard, and you decide exactly what easy is and, and have it written down and then retest it every, say, I mean, it depends on your training, but let's say at least every six months. Yeah, so I, I sort of wandered off a little bit there. But I was saying that, my um, my weakness was more the um easiest not the easy, my weakness was more endurance right my weakness was more going slow for a long time and and my natural talent when I was younger though it wasn 't a natural talent it was just i was better at sprinting than I was at cross country I was better at soccer than I was at long distance running right and I think that 's the case for you as well Amika. so if that 's the case, I would say emphasize the easy, make sure it's easy, and do at least 80% of it, Um, and I'd say that's more important for you, and that kind of brings me to, that's why I started with this question, because you also said, um, I'm built like a sprinter, how do I train in order to change my body for endurance running, so that's one thing I'd do, is make sure that you quantify what is easy, and you do 80% of your training easy, and then you do it for a long time. Um, and then your body will change because the body changes depending on it adapts to its stimuli so uh, if you provide stimuli that uh, require it to go slow for a long time often for for uh, a number of years your your body will change and you know we have uh, I forgot what they call it but it's like a we have a natural expression of um, how our body develops based on our genes so you will be limited in some capacity to move around within a certain, you know, if you're built big, you know, stocky um, very, very muscular and, and kind of powerful, meaning you, you can generate force quickly to sprint um, then you won't end up looking like, you know, Matt Fitzgerald who wrote those books who's a natural distance runner, right? You will end up looking like you a little bit less and then being able to go further but you're never going to be able to sort of trade your body in and completely transform it. There's going to be a sort of genetic ceiling on how much you can change your body from one type to another, but your body will change depending on what you do with it. So I would say what you want to do with it is lots and lots of, um, easy, um, pace training. Um, hills or speed intervals, which are better if I'm trying to improve my half marathon pace. So, of those, they're both in that hard category, right? So I'd say um, they will both be helpful if they are included in the correct proportion of your overall training. So say you had four, uh, five runs a week, and four of them are more in that easy category, and then this one's in the hard category, And then you could think of hills and sprints kind of equivocal from a physiological standpoint in terms of your cardio uh, cardio respiratory fitness. Um, They're similar, right? Uh, There are differences between the two though. And um, uh, how you decide which is better um, really depends on you. I, I would say I have a preference for hills usually for a few reasons. Um, One is a physio, physio, I see lots of injured runners and hills are less likely to get people injured, especially at your age range, Um, Amika, because you're not not in that older category, right? Um, So less less injuries uh, because there's less impact, right? Because you're going uphill, so you don't have to come down as fast, so there's less impact to absorb and we know a lot of running injuries are impact-related. They help build... They help you improve your form. They sort of demand that you run well. You know what I mean? When you're running uphill, it's really good for your running form because if you want to get up a little bit high, you have to push off in a kind of an efficient way. Um, And then you recover as you walk back down usually and then you sprint back up again. So they're quite good for allowing you to recover and then run your best, demanding your best out of you so that that improves your form. It's a little bit like doing running drills the other thing is that they're really good for improving achilles tendon stiffness because achilles tendon issues become more common the more old the more older the older you get the more common achilles tendon injuries are the stiffer your achilles tendon generally speaking um, the less likely you are to have achilles tendon issues and hills make you push like crazy hard off your calf which is a good strength and power stimulus to the calf and Achilles tendon. So it helps build robustness in that Achilles tendon and makes the Achilles tendon more resilient and less likely to get injured. So that's another reason I like them. And then we were talking last week about the um, benefits of certain, or the, the, um, how to protect yourself from injuries as you get older, as you become an older runner. And we know that um, muscle wasting occurs at about 1% a year beyond the age of 30. And the calf is the biggest victim when it comes to muscle wasting. And because you're having to push yourself up the hill, right? you have to generate a lot of force very quickly. So you have to take that calf, and we know that about 50% of our propulsive power comes from our calf. So as we jump up the hill, we push from our calf, and that's a really strong stimulus for the calf to, ve- to develop more strength, but also power. So power is strength divided by time. So it's a good stimulus to develop calf strength and power and Achilles tendon stiffness very good things for runners and <laughs> um, that those things are all true of sprinting as well so I'm not trying to say that they are um, that hills are vastly superior and I'd certainly say include why not both right you know hills for two weeks and sprints for one like that's totally fine but if I had to pick one I'd probably pick hills and um, for the for those reasons what impact does diet have on improving my run efficiency why? What foods must I avoid if I want to run further and faster? Unfortunately, um, I'll have a bash at um, training and performance. I am not going to tackle diet. (laughs) I know as little about diet as anyone else, which is to say that I know a little bit because I've read a number of books on diet nutrition and fueling for races um, like a lot of us have, but I am not an expert. I don't have any formal training in it. Um, I would certainly say if you want specific advice for that, We've got to go to a more reliable source. Um, but I don't like to answer questions like that because um, that's not very, not very polite. So <laughs> um, I would say check out a couple of things. There's a, there's a podcast called That Triathlon Show, which is excellent, and um, Michael, the presenter, talks often about uh, the pros and cons of low-carb, low-carb high-fat versus um, high-carb diets which is more appropriate for long durance triathlon um athletes. And he brings on very knowledgeable people uh, onto the podcast. So I would check that show out and just um, put nutrition in or, or put, um uh, put low carb, high fat or, or that kind of thing into the description and just see, see what you find. Um that's a, a very good podcast for anybody who um, enjoys what we're talking about here. And the other one is a, uh, I think he's just a YouTuber. I don't know if he has a podcast as well, but it, he goes by the moniker um, Biolane. So that's B-E-B-I-O-L-A-Y-N-E. And he's excellent. He has a, a PhD in nutrition and he makes lots of really helpful videos looking at the latest research on nutrition. And the re- reason I like him is that he, although he um, he talks often about um You know, we all know that the diet debates are very um, polarizing, um, but I feel like he tries really hard to just look at the evidence and um, not go beyond what the evidence currently says in terms of uh, good or bad. And I think if you go and check out that, Uh, BioLearn's YouTube channel you'll get some good information I don't know if he talks specifically about endurance athletes but I dare bet he does I think I've listened to him and um, he has some really good shows so um, I would look up those two things that triathlon show and BioLearn for advice on nutrition Um, okay last one I'm an intermediate level runner how many times a week should I be running to get stronger and or faster Um, yeah Intermediate level, um, definitely, if you're going for the half marathon, at least four. Less than four, you're increasing your risk of injury and you're definitely reducing your performance, in my opinion. Uh, there's some good evidence to say that those who uh, run four or more times per week, Get injured less than those who don't. If you keep the volume of weekly running the same, so dividing you know fifty k over four runs will get you injured far less often than dividing fifty k over two or three runs. I mean, two is pretty uncommon for that distance. The other thing about running more frequently, so it gets you injured less, and the other thing is that it tends to improve your. This, I have no evidence for this. This is more of a feeling. But I feel like the frequency allows you to improve your technique. The reason is that there is good evidence to show that running technique improves with exposure, which makes sense, right? If you practice playing golf all the time, even if you don't get any instruction or try to do anything better, you will just naturally get better at it because you'll keep trying it and you'll just naturally sort of attune to a more efficient way of playing golf. And we do the same thing where we run. As we run more and more miles over the years, we attune ourselves to a certain way of running that is more efficient. So our technique improves over time. And that can be seen because our cadence becomes more into that optimal range, which is sort of above 170 steps per minute. And our um, stride length, uh, it becomes less we tend to overstride less and that kind of thing. Our impact tends to go down. We tend to adopt strategies that are more efficient the more we run over time. And my feeling is that when you run more frequently, you're not running for as long. So if you take that same 50K and divide it over four, five runs, um, then you're pretty fresh for each one and your mind is, is sort of ready and you're gonna focus well. Whereas if you, you know, divided by two, right, really long runs, by the end of them, you're quite tired and you're not focusing on your form quite as much. Even, even if you weren't focusing on your form explicitly in any of them, your form is just naturally going to be better when you're doing shorter runs. So if your form is better during that time, that's your brain learning. This is good running form. This is how to run efficiently. Whereas, as you get more tired, we know that running technique worsens over the course of long duration running um, bouts or um, races, then you are then training yourself to run badly in a way, right? So you're you're getting 25 minutes, let's say, of running badly um, at the end of your 50 minute run. Um, So that's why I'd say if you're gonna try and run faster and, and improve your running technique, more running per week is better. And certainly that's an opinion, but there is good evidence to say, so it's not an opinion that having well, it's it's a, a science-based op- or an evidence-based opinion to say that running more frequently um, will will reduce your risk of getting injured. Sorry. Hi, Mel. You got me uh, distracted there for a second. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about tonight. So um, I hope that answers your question, Amika. Um, if I just if I just sum up, um, the intensity distribution I would suggest that you go for is that 80-20 easy to hard ratio. Um, I would say that that's even more important for you if you're a natural sprinter. And that. Uh, it's very important that you quantify easy versus medium versus hard because you may be doing your easy runs medium and that is a very common problem that you don't want to fall into that trap um diet don't know look up those people i mentioned and then run more than four four or more times per week anyway i'm going to sign off for tonight and uh Thank you guys for joining me. If anybody has any questions that would like me to tackle in the future, just drop them in the comments um, or send me an email, mboydphysio at gmail.com. That's M-B-O-Y-D at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like your questions featured on the show, just email me mboydphysio at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and if you have a moment to leave me a review in whatever podcast app you use, it's a huge help for the show. See you next week.